welcome to Speaking of College. Welcome, it's your source for reliable knowledge. Oh, yeah. We got Dr. P as your host. As your host. We gon' tell you what you need to know. Need to know. Need to know. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow. The more you know, the more you grow. Grow. Get more knowledge. Knowledge. Welcome to Speaking of College. Speaking of College. Yeah. Welcome to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is about mental health, which is a topic that I think relates to everyone, not just those who are in college. The American College Health Association regularly conducts a national college health assessment, and the results from their 2019 survey showed that across the thousands of students who responded about their college experiences, 45% reported feeling so depressed that it was difficult to function during the past 12 months. Another 65% of students reported feeling overwhelming anxiety during the past 12 months. As I think about the many unexpected, unpredictable, and uncontrollable events of 2020, I knew I had to focus an episode on college students' mental health because if you're listening to this show and things are feeling a little out of sorts for you right now, it's safe to say you're not the only one. So on this episode, I'm glad to discuss this topic with Dr. Zainab Okolo, an expert on student mental health. Zainab and I had a great conversation and she provided several tangible strategies for how college students can prioritize their mental health. During the break, I'll tell you about how you may be able to earn credit toward an associate degree while you pursue a bachelor's degree. And I'll wrap up the episode with a question about how to choose a major. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's show is focused on the very timely topic of mental health. A couple months ago, the Healthy Minds Network and the American College Health Association conducted a survey of college students to examine the impact of COVID-19 on college student well-being, and they found some very sobering results. The study included 18,764 students on 14 campuses, and of those, they found that 30.5% compared to 21% the previous fall reported that their mental health negatively affected their academic performance on at least six days during the prior four weeks. Needless to say, this is a really good time to talk about college student mental health, and I'm happy to have my friend Dr. Zainab Okolo to join me for this conversation. Dr. Okolo is a passionate educator, policy expert, and change agent focused on helping students overcome barriers so they can learn, earn, and lead fulfilling lives. Zainab is a strategy officer for Lumina Foundation, a philanthropic organization that has a goal of helping more individuals earn a college credential. In her work, Zainab works to significantly improve student success and increase credential attainment, especially at four-year institutions. She's focused on the urgent needs of first-generation college students, people of color, adult learners, immigrants, inmates, and others who have traditionally struggled to succeed at learning beyond high school. Zainab is an expert on student mental health and is often asked to speak about ways to help students overcome stress and anxiety. As a licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Okolo enjoyed working for several years with young adults to help them succeed in school and beyond. Dr. Okolo previously served as an associate on the HCM Strategist post-secondary team, where she worked on policy issues aimed at making higher education more accessible, affordable, and relevant. She also held posts at the University of Maryland, the American Council on Education, and the Institute for Higher Education Policy. She earned her doctorate in education at the George Washington University, her master's degree from Syracuse University, and her bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland College Park, and she is a native of Washington, D.C., 
When she's not doing all that and devoting time to her work, she spends time with her family and friends. She enjoys yoga, taking spin classes, and all kinds of music and sports. Dr. Okolo, thank you so much for joining me on the show. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So as I read the headlines about what's happening today with college students and what's happening on college campuses, I find myself being slightly um, nervous about the future and what this means for students who are trying to navigate new environments, not just for the typical reasons like would a student be able to pay for college and would they make friends and some of the topics we're going to have on the show, but I mean literally for the individuals themselves and how much they're trying to manage. And so, um, yes, cost can be a stressor. Making new friends can be a stressor. COVID-19 can be a stressor. And as I think about the compiling of all these particular things on one's mind, for any individual, that would be a lot. And so I know this topic might for some seem a little bit heavy, but I think it's necessary. And so I really am happy to have you here to talk about this, uh, this really looming almost crisis in higher education. So I got some questions for you. But before we do that, let's, let's start off on a, on a bit of a get to know you standpoint. So those who see this video will see you wearing a University of Maryland College Park t-shirt. And so I got the yeah, I got the same first question for you that I have for everybody, which is take us back to when you were first starting college, your first semester, you're trying to figure out where you want to go. What were some of the factors that influenced your decision to go to the University of Maryland? Well, um, first I grew up in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, born in DC, raised in Virginia. So I am from the DMV area. Um, and my junior year of high school, my aunt uh, shared with my mom and I an opportunity at the University of Maryland that was basically a college prep course that they were offering um, in the evenings right after my final period in my junior year. Um, my plan initially was to go to school somewhere in Cali. I had dreams of UCLA, Berkeley, just somewhere by the ocean. Um, and I took that class on that campus and from the first week of that class decided that Maryland was where I wanted to go. Um, and it was there I also discovered the majors that I really wanted. The campus is completely postcard picturesque. So I, I couldn't really see myself elsewhere. And I tried, I toured all the other great campuses in the Maryland DC area, Howard, Morgan State, American mm -hmm. U, Georgetown, GW, and I just, I had a real experience there at on campus. And so I ended up applying the following year um, and getting in, so. I think you just gave the perfect commercial for the University of Maryland College Park if they're looking for reasons to recruit students. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and then after years later, I ended up coming back and working for one of my first jobs out of my master's program was what working for their, um, for their first year program, particularly uh, recruiting students. So if I sound like, like a commercial, I was probably on one at one point. <laughs> well, you know what? Normally at some point in each episode, I explain what shirt I'm wearing. And so I was thinking I would save it for later, but I think this is a perfect connection. So uh, you have on University of Maryland College Park and I am wearing Washington State University, which is in Pullman, Washington. And I have a story about this campus that is unforgettable because to get to Pullman, Washington, and for those who are from that area, you know that there's a really small airport and you have to go through probably at least two connections to, to get to, you know, Pullman, Washington. But uh, I went there and had the, the great pleasure of seeing a campus that I otherwise probably wouldn't have had on my radar. And it was, it was gorgeous. It was great. It was tucked away on the border of Idaho. I'd never been to Idaho. And so uh, I kind of had in my mind what I thought I would expect. And when I got there, it was lovely. Not that I expected it to be any 
anything less, but it was more special than I anticipated. And the reason for going was to learn more about their on-campus employment program. So the fact that you, you had a, a work opportunity, I went there to learn about their work opportunity. So it's kind of serendipitous. So, all right. Well, uh, kudos to University of Maryland College Park and Washington State University. Yes. So, all right. So as you know, I think I prepped you before the show. We, we had the show into two halves. And so the first half is the basics. We're going to talk specifically about why someone should care about their mental health. Why is this a topic worth acknowledging? And then we'll go to the break. And then when we come back and we'll put you in the Ask the Expert chair and ask you some really specific questions where you can give some tips to those looking to do more to address their mental health. But let's start at the beginning. So what are some reasons why students should prioritize their mental health? Yeah, so For the purposes of our podcast, I want to go ahead and just define mental health. Mental health focuses and includes your psychological and emotional well-being. And although there are other ways to consider your overall wellness, like your financial, your relational wellness, mental health is that one factor, that one proxy that overlays on all your other areas of, of your wellness and can inform and predict how well you're doing in other areas of your life. So for example, if you have a good relationship with yourself, good emotional regulation, you may have good relationships. If you have good self-discipline, good habits with even your rest, you may have a healthy uh, financial wellness plan. Um, But having a financial wellness plan may not lend itself to better mental health. Having really good people in your corner still does not take precedence over you taking care of yourself to the point where you're able to emotionally and consistently emotionally regulate yourself. And so like you had mentioned earlier, we're in a time and in a context where being able to take care of your mental health is no longer just kind of a compliment or um, an option. 2020 has taught us anything has taught us that life is coming fast and consistent. And the only thing that is consistent is that we can't really predict what's coming. And so centering yourself, being able to take care and manage the way your mind is interpreting the things happening around you and the way in which your emotions and your psychology is protecting you is really, really important, especially now for college students. I really appreciate that framing. And I can I can say I don't know that I've always thought about it that way. I, I certainly know that we do a lot of research in, in the field of higher education about financial well-being. And oftentimes that's kind of automatically assumed that means if you have a good understanding of how to use your money and how to leverage it for certain things, then you must be financially healthy. Um, putting it in the context of a comparison or even contrast between that and one's mental health is very helpful. So, you know, thank you for that, that foundational understanding. So in your, in your bio that I read, uh, you know, definitely referenced you working with individuals to help them manage anxiety and stress. I find that when it comes to the discussions of college, especially if we're talking about maybe more traditionally aged college students, that word stress almost gets used synonymous with lack of sleep, um, not, not having healthy eating habits and being um, overworked or run down or, you know, nervous or anxious about classes and things like that. So much so that in relation to studying, for example, um, studying for classes, it seems like regular lack of sleep and overall stress around certain times of the, the academic semester or quarter, if you're on that, seems to be like commonplace. And so what would you say or maybe alert us to when it comes to one's mental health in the context of stress and what college students might see as just routine or normal versus what you would say as uh, maybe something else we should pay attention to? That is such a great question. 
Um, so first of all, I want to clarify that stress is to be expected if you are alive. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's like somebody saying to, to themselves, man, I, I was hoping she would say there's some way you can live and avoid stress. Not possible. In fact, as a college student where you are actually pursuing higher education and stretching yourself out of your comfort zone, stress is an indicator that you're doing just that, that you are expanding your knowledge, that you are expanding your thinking, expanding your own personal toolkit. And without it, it's an indicator that you might not be willing to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, I liken this to the analogy of uh, if you're trying to get healthy and you want abs, if you quit the first time you feel your abs burning, there, there's no way you're gonna get to your goal. Um, where stress becomes dangerous is when it becomes acute or chronic. And the way I would define chronic stress is an emotional pressured response to a prolonged period of stress, particularly when you've actually maybe reached your goal or reached a market within your goal and your brain doesn't do what it should do appropriately, which is send you some type of reward signal. Mm -hmm. So I think about runners. There's this thing called a runner's high, which I can't speak to because I don't know what that is. Every time I run, <laughs> I don't feel high. I feel <laughs> muscles. I feel the strain. I keep going, but I've never pushed myself beyond a point where all of a sudden I feel that reward immediately. Rewards come in other ways, but not that reward. So when it comes to, to, to stress and pushing yourself, um, it's a good idea to set up for yourself some rewards. And oftentimes your brain will respond to that. So if you're stressed about a test, you give yourself a couple hours to study. Afterwards, you might say, now I can watch that movie I've been wanting to. In the process of that, paying attention to how you feel, if you're able to wind down with that movie or the thing that you love the most, then you're probably just dealing with regular stress that you've been able to overcome because you responded to your reward system. If while watching the movie, you're still as stressed, if not more stressed, from the time you left of studying and actually giving your all to it, then you're probably suffering from acute stress. Um, and that's something that you definitely wanna take a look at and figure out ways to uh, bring yourself down and give yourself um, kind of a reset button so that you're able to perform the best you can as a student. Wow, Doc, thank you for the breakdown. I think that really that really helps. And you did surprise me. I think when you said stress is to be expected, uh, I, I I imagine that one's tolerance for stress probably varies, you know, depending on the scenario and things like that. Um, but I do like the way you framed it in terms of how we should be paying attention to the amount of stress we have and our reactions after a stressful period is over. So I think uh, for some, the idea that well, just every day is going to be stressful, stressful to the max with no break in sight. Uh, I think that's when you start to see really different coping mechanisms and things like that. So, all right. So we've, we've laid the foundation about why to pay attention to it. Uh, we've given an exact scenario of how it might show up for a college student, depending on what they're dealing with. Let's, let's talk about reasons why someone might ignore it. And so by hesitation, I mean exactly that. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. Everybody around me is stressed out. Why should I bother to dig more into it? Not to say that someone is trying to completely avoid it, but they might really ignore it or hesitate um, just in general. What, what have you found to be some reasons why individuals and maybe even students might choose not to prioritize their mental health? 
Well, first, I think I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, I kind of self selfishly went into the route of psychology and mental health because I come from a culture that taught me um, if it's a negative emotion or feeling, if you just ignore it, it'll go away. And if you, you kind of water your more positive thoughts, that's what will grow. And there was a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of resilience to that. And I'm all for that. However, um, it can be a really isolating way of functioning as a college student, particularly when you have so much new coming towards you, particularly when you are experiencing a lot of newer mental challenges. Um, one thing that we know about college age students is that there is a lot of times students are just now discovering that they uh, suffer or are challenged with um, depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest lies that those types of mental health challenges tell you is that you are the only one. So that causes a lot of hesitance because students truly believe based on how they're seeing their other peers functioning, like they're the only one. And I remember going through such like that kind of anxiety in college, particularly when I was still trying to figure out and sort, and sort out my major, thinking that I was the only one that everybody else looked like they had all together. And this was back in the day when social media wasn't really a thing. So it's not that everybody curated something online that told me that they were okay. Mm -hmm. Hey, I was just looking. Now this generation has a whole curated reality that's not even real that they're comparing themselves to. Um, sometimes it's a wonder, I think we have to flip that question to why are we hesitant to why, like, how could you not be hesitant? Because it's, it really does, we have sold ourselves the, the, the belief in the lie that we're the only ones that go through certain things. And so I think that maybe a helpful clarity is that, especially now in the context of COVID, in the context of our new reality with all of the upheaval that we're experiencing um, between racial injustice, the elections, um, some of the things that we, thought we're going to be constant that are not, it is completely natural and normal to feel unsettled around that. And giving yourself, reaching out for help simply means you're giving your wellness an, an additional hand of support. It doesn't mean that you're broken. I, get, I used to get this a lot. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. Uh, it just means that you just need a little bit more support for the additional information that your brain is trying to process. Um, and that's really all that that says when you're reaching out for help. You just, you're just getting additional support. Okay, so I got one more question before we go to the break. And you touched on a little bit of it when you mentioned the impact of family. And I can imagine that any student in college right now, just without all the things that have challenged us in 2020, might find this to be a really difficult time, stressful time, as well as a really challenging time and a time for them to have some optimism and excitement and looking forward to a lot of things. So those are a lot of emotions to be regulating all at the same time. You mentioned them not being alone as a uh, an indicator that basically additional help would be good. Can you talk about what it might mean for a student to be in community with other students, either virtually or in person, and what that connection to others uh, within a campus environment could do for their mental health? Absolutely. So I think that sometimes when students don't have the answers, they try, maybe rightfully so, to go inwards. And that can quickly, again, if you're managing mental health issues that college students oftentimes manage, including manage, including depression and anxiety, might turn into isolation. It is best to turn to your friends. 
and to take stock of the folks that are around you. And as you do that, understanding that, you know, our parents were right. Um, taking stock of your friends can really help to also inform how they influence how you feel and how you take care of your wellness. And so your friends and your peers can be a catalyst of positive support in regards to your mental health or stress. And so first identifying who you brought close to you. Um, and there's a lot of discovery, right? When we're going into college, a lot of new discovery. We're not always going to be attracted to or attract the same friends that we might've gr grown up with. Um, and so just being clear with yourself around the types of friends that you have, are there friends that you can be honest with? Do you need to reach back into your old um, connections and networks for support, which is completely normal. And it's totally fine to move on to your next phase and still maintain your previous relationships. You do not have to abandon ship every time you, you know, move to a new phase in your life. Um, and then also in our new context with COVID, kind of shutting down many institutions and by shutting down, I, I do mean shutting down at, at the extreme end, while other institutions have gone primarily online, what's cool is that there's been a lot of um, a, a few different opportunities and creations for peer-to-peer -peer relational apps that are popping up where you can go on these apps and connect with other students and literally just talk about self-care and wellness. Um, you can join groups on your regular Facebook and Instagram feeds um, and be really mindful of what it is you're feeding yourself on your feed. Um, I won't promote or plug any specific app, but Literally, I tried it before I started. If you go into your app store and type in mental wellness or mental health, the like the top five are things are, are, are ones that I would say, give a try and see which one sits well with you. And then there's peer-to-peer -peer counseling ones where you can kind of read other people's stories and find connection in that way. And then what's also cool is that a lot of therapists, um, their licensing has allowed them to go fully online now. And so finding those resources online might also be helpful as well in terms of getting the supports. Well, this is already accomplished all of what I was hoping for the episode. So now we have the even better part coming up after the break. So just, just for the sake of a recap, you know, we talked about the basics, why mental health is important. We've talked about some of the main stressors or strains on a college student. We've talked about reasons why one might hesitate and why they probably shouldn't hesitate. And then we've also talked about how the interactions between students can actually um, push them into a space where they might want to be proactive. But now that we've covered the basics, part two of the conversation is going to be the ask the expert section so i'm going to have you in a spot where we're going to ask you specifically for some tips so those who are listening and saying hey you convinced me I, i'm sold on the idea that i need to do more tell me where i should go to get started so we're going to go to the break and then when we come back we're going to get dr okolo's tips for addressing your mental health if you've earned credits at a two-year college that offers an associate degree and before completing that associate degree, you transfer it to a four-year college that offers a bachelor's degree. The four-year college might be willing to send credits that you've earned there back to your first college where you were working toward an associate degree. That could result in you earning that associate degree from the two-year college while you pursue a bachelor's degree at the four-year college. There are some requirements to get that credit to count. For example, you have to have earned a total of 60 credits or more between your first college and your second one. Also, the two-year college, which is where you started, would have to evaluate the credits you've earned at your second college and determine if they will be accepted. If they say yes, 
you could get credits toward an associate's degree. This is not an option for every two-year or four-year college, but according to the National Student Clearinghouse, over 250 colleges in the United States offer this option. So if you transferred from a two-year college to a four-year college before completing an associate's degree, it might be worth a try. If you're interested, contact your advisor and ask about reverse transfer. Now you know. Welcome back. So, Dr. Okolo, are you ready for the Ask the Expert section? I am ready. All right. So uh, for college students who are balancing their coursework and studying and several other things, they might find that their schedule is pretty filled up pretty often and very, very quickly. So what are some steps that students can take to prioritize their mental health, fully being aware that they are going to continue to manage lots of daily activities that compete for their time and they might be really busy? How can they prioritize it, but also recognize that they may not be used to carving out that kind of time? So first, if you don't manage your mental health, your mental health will manage you. That's why we have a lot of students that go into some you, you're, I guess what I'll say, you're always in a coping behavior cycle hmm. because life is not very easy, especially when you are pursuing something like education or higher education. And so, you know, college students have trouble sometimes with drinking and drug use. I would argue that oftentimes those are coping mechanisms for stress that they have not addressed, um, trauma that they haven't addressed, mental health struggles they have not addressed. So if you don't proactively look for ways to address that, that can come out in substance abuse or overeating or undereating or oversleeping or undersleeping. Um, so just putting that out there, like, um, you, you do have a choice to address this in your hectic schedules, but if you don't address it, it will address you. And this is gonna sound weird that even in a hectic time when you're super, super stressed, there are ways that you can help yourself by what I've coined with my clients and, and former students, reverse engineering your happiness. Um, and this is not dismissive of the fact that if you're dealing with true depression and anxiety, sometimes the things that you enjoy do, doing don't bring you joy until you find the source of that type of stress, that type of struggle, and then, and then you can move forward. But when you're dealing initially with just, I'm trying to figure out my schedule, I'm trying to figure out how to balance everything, I'm finding myself kind of dragging, what's gonna be important is to think about your struggles as an opportunity for you to remind yourself, remind yourself of what does bring you joy. So don't be that student that when you're sad, listens to sad music. No, mm. you're sad, get up, get a walk. You're not feeling so good watch something that makes you feel good. It is true that the more you're able to commit yourself to doing the things that you would be doing if you did feel good, our psyches and systems are only here to affirm what you're already feeding yourself. Like mm -hmm. your, your brain will not argue with you if you tell yourself, I'm going to feel good today and you move along. And I do wanna preface that again by saying, Dr. Parnell, that that does not mean that I'm dismissing depression and anxiety as mental health struggles that can be eliminated by listening to a happy song or watching a funny mo movie. Mm -hmm. No, no, but just in the daily, in your daily life, tuck away for yourself things that you were intentionally doing to take care of yourself. 
make yourself a breakfast that's more than just a Pop-Tart. Um, try to intentionally sleep before 2 a.m. if you can. Um, give yourself whole days where you're not just scrolling your social media. Um, go on, I've seen students go on social, and I've done this before, going on social media fast just to limit the amount of information that you're taking in and giving yourself a break. Um, and particularly with, with social media and time, we could have the most hectic schedules ever, but still find time to get lost on our, mm. within our feeds for, for hours. And when you rob yourself like that, there's, it's, it's, it's really hard to make space to do these kinds of activities. So being intentional around when and how you use and expose yourself to media is gonna be really, really important. Some other ways that students have taken care of themselves are ways in which that we've talked about before, um, just as a culture and society, again, exercise, um, sleeping well. In this day and age, limiting news consumption. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know students and I have friends that watch news like sports now, because honestly, you just never know what's going to happen. You don't want to miss it. Um, back in my day, I, we did not want to miss the Jerry Springer show because we just didn't know who was going to throw the chair. <laughs> we wanted to be able to say, I was there when X threw the chair. Did you see that? But it gets into your system sometimes. Mm -hmm. And without you knowing, you're watching something that actually is stressing you out because you realize this is not a show. This is not fake. I'm, well, that's arguable. But <laughs> this is actually real life playing out in front of us and might impact me later on. And then making sure that you're seeking support from your family and friends. Um, and that might just look like calling your parents every once in a while, your guardians, um, calling and talking to mentors when you have an opportunity just to say hello. It's not, um, uh, receiving support does not always look like actually verbally saying, oh, geez, this is happening, but just connecting with the people that you love the most, seeing how they're doing oftentimes alleviates burden from you and gives you a little bit reprieve from your stress. These are excellent points. And I think a lot of what I would probably uh, summarize them into a category is uh, some dedicated behaviors that one can take a take a, a an approach to trying to be proactive. And it's it's tough. I think that um, I certainly appreciate your your acknowledgement that if someone is dealing with clinical depression or another diagnosis, these tactics alone would not be enough to adequately address what they're dealing with. But for many who have not actually taken a step at all to maybe take some stock of where they are and how they're processing what they're experiencing, you're right. Uh, and I am one of those people who uh, several months ago really did stop watching the news. I made a hard and fast decision that the only news I would consume would be that that I could read and I could put it on a schedule and say only for this window of time. It has done a lot for me because even I uh, can only take so much of the news that's you know not the best news that I want to read right now. And so thank you for those uh, specific tactics. I want to skip to a question um, you kind of touched on a little bit of it already with um, sleeping habits and food consumption and the amount of news one might take in and the types of news one might take in and isolation and why we shouldn't do that. Are there other specific signals that someone might use to kind of audit their behavior and say that these might be indicators that this would be a good time to look more intentionally into addressing their mental health? Yeah, I think um, if you are starting to feel like, the best way to escape is to self-harm or to harm somebody else. 
um, if you are finding it very, very hard. And a good tester is having implemented some of the tactics that I, that I mentioned earlier, and you're not deriving any relief or joy at all um, for you know, a good amount of time, then that might be some time to kind of take a step back and consider what's really going on for you and how your, your brain, your psyche, your, your emotional well-being is being triggered. Um, and we, we can't forget that our college students come to college and come to this new phase of their life with a whole entire story. Mm-hmm. And so not all of us grew up in situations that were super stable. And maybe this is the first time a lot of our students have an opportunity to make some proactive decisions on their own. Mm -hmm. And although the instability we came from wasn't very good, it was predictable. And now this opportunity is not so predictable and you've got to learn how to trust yourself and make decisions on your own and regulate yourself. And that alone can cause you to shut down. And so these are great indicators for you to reach out to a licensed professional to to just talk to somebody because this is what happens when our brain is overloaded. Um, And and there are other tactics that you could put in place. Like I really do believe a lot in prayer and meditation. Um, There's great meditation apps. There's guided prayer apps. There's so many ways in which you can quiet your mind enough to just get it to fully rest. But after you've done those things, and even in the midst of you trying to do those things, if you're just finding it just a little hard, going back to your earlier really pointed question, do not hesitate to reach out. Um, because these are things that, that us licensed professionals also have to put in place for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone in, in kind of looking for those supports and actually utilizing them as you're going through this phase of your life. Dr. Zainab, I have asked you two tough questions. I have one more tough question, uh, but I want to I want to switch the frame a little bit. So I think we've spent the majority of the episode certainly um, driving home the point about why mental health matters and why one should not ignore it and why one should take that in a proactive way as something they should do very soon and have it as an ongoing priority. We've talked about some heavy things. We've talked about the reasons why, if not addressed, it could be difficult for you. And I, I certainly don't want anyone to not take this. This topic seriously, but I want to end on something that might be a little bit of good news. And so I know we've listed out all the reasons and all the dangers of not addressing it, but I want to put the, the frame around it before we uh, kind of wrap up the conversation that this could be something that actually helps one feel better and have a better sense of um, autonomy over their life and their next steps to take. And so I think we've laid the foundation pretty well that this is something to do. But if I'm being honest, someone might be listening to the show and saying, hey, this is still a first time for me. I, I want to do it. I know that it's it's something that I should do and I'm open to it, but I just don't have experience in talking to a licensed professional or a counselor or maybe even a friend or a family member, anyone at all, actually. So I think this is the hardest question of all, although it probably will be easy for you to answer. For those who are less experienced and have probably no instances for which they can pull to say they've ever even thought about talking about their mental health um, with anybody else, let alone a licensed professional, what advice and what tips can you give someone about how to start that process and start that journey? Sure. So remember, you are talking to a licensed, when talking to a licensed professional, you're also talking to another human. And so the one thing that I would empower students with to know is that you, whether you feel so or not, 
you're still the expert on your own life. Mm-hmm. And so when you're calling in a licensed professional for help and support, these are folks that have studied the human psyche, psychology, and how emotions can inform and paint pictures for the brain really believe, even if they're not fully true. And also how our being and, and our psyche responds to things like trauma and some of the more negative things that we might have in, um, experienced within our lives. And so if you're ready to look for somebody, I would first of all suggest doing a little bit of homework on your counselor. So two sites that I can possibly plug, um, mm-hmm. Psychology Today and also mytruecircle.com offers you opportunities to look at counselors and psychologists within your area. Um, My True Circle is really helpful because it, it, it's really centered on you finding a psychologist or a therapist that is online. And with our remote situation right now with COVID and with whatever is to come, um, that might be a, a safer way to have a more consistent way of meeting with somebody. Now, I do know of, 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 of counseling facilities that are, you know, properly socially distancing and having therapy with masks on. But if you are able to stay within your home and you have um, a base that you can do therapy online from, I, in, in, this, in this moment, would, su- would suggest that. Mm-hmm. I would also encourage you to use this as an opportunity to talk with your with your friends um, and even your family. I, I, I have been referred to folks that have been referred to me in the past when they spoke to somebody that they had no idea was going to therapy just because they opened up and spoke to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just not being afraid to also at your university ask for help. Lots of universities are also starting to offer um, free mental health services to their students or mental health services at much lower rates. And so being willing to look look on your institutional website, find out how they have pivoted with their resources and how you can get started is, I think, some of the best ways to find a clinician that would work for you. Well, Dr. Zainab, you've done a fabulous job answering all these questions. I want to, before we get to the last question, I just want to say thank you for helping me unpack a very important topic. And I know that some of the episodes of the show will be probably more uplifting, more exciting. And I don't want this one to be perceived as something that can't be uplifting as well. I think that I I really envision someone listening to this episode and feeling motivated, feeling inspired and excited about the idea that they can take a different frame for how they approach their day-to-day life. And so I know sometimes the topic of mental health is one that people don't always want to run to they perceive it as maybe scary or maybe something that could be a little bit uh somber you know and sobering as I kind of described with those very hefty numbers that I gave in the beginning but uh, I'm putting this part at the end of the show with these positive um resources that they can go and look at because I want someone to hear this and see that they are not alone and that this is something that is very much something that can help them um, not just navigate college but navigate life and so your impact is very large on the show and so I wanted to say thank you before I get to the official thank you you're so welcome thank you for having me. Of course. All right. So now we are done with the ask the expert section. I've got to ask you the same closing question that I ask for everybody. So 
first question was take us back to when you first started at the University of Maryland College Park. Now think 2020 and all that you know about what college students are experiencing. You have your doctorate in higher education, your licensed therapist. You could take either one of those frames or you could think about your work that you've been doing for the last several years. Imagine that you are putting together a backpack for a student who's probably going to start at the University of Maryland College Park sometime in the next six months. What's something that you would put in that backpack and why? I would put in that backpack. Can, can I can I have two things? Sure. Okay. I put two things. Um, I put in that backpack a list of that student's closest friends and family. First, I think going back to all we talked about with how you know sobering and somber mental health and talking about it can be. I think the most um, dangerous sometimes is that if you genuinely feel like you that you're alone, you have nobody, it can just turn your opportunity um, on its head. And so just a quick reminder that even if you don't have a very large network, you have somebody that encouraged you, that pushed you, that believed in you, that you can call on. The list might be long, it might be short. The important thing is that every student would have that list. And then I would, in a moment of, of clarity, probably work with the students who um, draft out kind of a, a mission statement. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that in, in every great pursuit, whether that's for education, um, anything that somebody is trying to attain, there's always a point where you stop and you're like, why did I embark in this? I could have been doing X, why did I do this? And your brain is not going to remind you and if, oh yeah, it's because I love animals and I wanna be a Mm -hmm. whatever. It's not gonna remind you of that because you'll be in a possibly a more discouraged state or a panic state. And so kind of with that fresh zeal for why you entered in, having that written out and framed somewhere is sometimes all you need to remind yourself that some of the negative days that you'll have will pass and that you actually do have what it takes to pursue and be successful. And that does include um, getting to know yourself more and managing your self-care and your mental health well. Dr. Zainab, I'm going to say the same thing I say at the end of this question for every one of my guests. I want that backpack. Every time I ask this question, every single one of the answers is something that's uplifting and inspiring. So uh, a mission statement and a list of close connections, friends and family and loved ones would be perfect for somebody to have in the backpack. And I can say in a very cheesy way that though I'm not a student formally enrolled in college, I'm still a student of life. And what I am learning that uh, I have to lean into is that when I feel a prompting to tackle some thing that I have to check in with my friends and my, my close ones uh, that I swap ideas with. And so when I had a vision for this podcast, um, the mission of it was to provide reliable answers to college related questions and to tap into my network and ask those that I trust to host the show with me and have these conversations and you're in that seat. So I cannot ask you any more questions. I've got to end with the second time for gratitude and just say, I really appreciate you joining me for this conversation. So if anyone listening uh, wants to follow you, wants to read more about your work, wants to connect with you, if you don't mind, do you have any social media handles or places where people can follow up with you if they'd like to? Absolutely. So um, first you can follow me on Twitter at doctors, that's D-R-Zainabokolo, Z-A-I-N-A-B-O-K-O-L-O. 
Um, I will eventually have a separate Instagram site <laughs> on my on my on my Twitter because my Twitter is um, kind of a, a hybrid of both higher ed work, my professional higher ed work, mm-hmm. and and mental health. So I think those are the best ways, and I always respond to. Um, any DMs that I receive uh, related to work and mental health. And so feel free to reach out to me there. Fabulous. Well, this is a pleasure. I will put links to uh, several of the resources you mentioned and your handles in the show notes. But until next time, Dr. Zainab, thank you so much again. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's time to ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Get the essence that you need. Today's question is from Mitchell in Florida. Mitchell writes, Dear Dr. P, how can I choose a major? Well, Mitchell, you've asked a timely question and I have three suggestions. The first is to pay attention to your habits. For example, if you read news online, what types of stories do you typically choose to read first? If you find yourself being drawn to news related to technology, for example, try to think of what usually captures your attention. Maybe it's the design and packaging of new products that have cool technology features. Or maybe you're drawn to knowing more about how certain items actually work, such as the parts that make a computer work faster, or the lens that makes a camera produce the sharpest image. For this example, majors such as marketing or engineering might be choices for you to consider. My second piece of advice is to find someone who's doing something that you'd like to try and ask if they'll tell you about how they prepared. For example, if you're considering doing something related to helping people manage their health, perhaps you could talk to a nurse or a doctor and ask them about their formal and informal training. They might describe their college major and some of the practical experiences that helped them along the way. My third suggestion is that you schedule time to talk to an advisor at your college. The advising office is there to help you better understand your options and how you can be flexible with your choices. This also reminds me of episode two of this podcast when Dr. Dinifu Elston described what he referred to as a parallel path, meaning that if you choose a major and you later determine that it's not quite the fit you expected, you can choose an alternative and still make progress toward finding your ideal path. If you try these three things and remember that your college has resources to help you, I think you'll find the right major to match your goals and dreams. Thanks again for a great question. If you're listening to this show and you have a question about college, you can write me at amelia at speakingofcollege.com and I'd be glad to answer and maybe feature your question on a future episode. For now, that brings this episode to a close. As we all navigate some unexpected and often challenging situations, I hope this episode encourages us all to take care of our mental health. If you like this show, please consider subscribing and I'll be back with you in Speaking of College again soon. In the meantime, I hope you have a productive and inspiring day. Thank you.